this week's Devil in Detail podcast. I'm Rob Paxson and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Joining the show this week, as ever, we have Paul Whiteside, fresh from Salford's defeat at Wembley, Paul. It was gutting, but we learn from it, don't we? Yeah, we certainly do. It was, uh, like you said, very, very close game. Uh, great to be down at Wembley reporting on it and really enjoyed the day. It was one of those, one of those games that were... I don't really want to talk too much about the game now because we'll be talking about it later. But I'm very proud of the team. I'm very proud of the supporters and the, and the city. Um, everybody really got behind it. Got behind us in the week. Dead exciting week. And just a shame the way the, the way the game went at the end. There's a couple of iffy decisions and to lose by a point, no disgrace whatsoever. And you know, very frustrating and heartbreaking in a way. But very very proud of everybody involved with the club. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a fantastic week. Big thanks to all our listeners who were uh, tuned into the five podcasts that we put out. Um, you know, all the players that took part in the interviews as well, and, and Ian Watson, and uh, it was great. I really enjoyed the whole sort of a cup final week, Paul. How was your Wembley experience? Yes, it was great. It was fantastic. My wife um, was really, really good about the whole situation. She she said she'd drive me down the night before. So he booked an hotel for us and, and the, the kids come down as well because she didn't like me driving in the dark. So she was an absolute diamond. Uh, I, I finished work quite late, so she's ready for me with the kids. We jumped in the car and drove down to a place called Bambury, which is near Oxford, and we stayed in a Premier Inn there. I think it's 25 quid for the wholesale. But you know what you get in the... They're, uh, cheap and cheerful aren't they and uh, so we set off quite early on on Saturday morning then to, to complete the journey it's about 70 miles to London from there so we got to London about dinner time and it's great where Wembley is now because the last time I went it was all a lot of waste wasteland sort of around Wembley and car parts but if, if anyone's ever been to Liverpool one it's a bit like that now the shopping centre is just just next to the ground it's literally you walk down Wembley Way and you're in the shopping centre so if you if you say you're a bloke and you go to the, this is not without being sexy say you're a bloke and you go with your missus to the final and she don't want to go and she wants to do some shopping it's, it's, it's an ideal thing to do but yeah it was great the, the kids just wandered off and, and did their thing with the mum and I went and watched the, the match and um, I had a coffee with uh, Nigel Roberts um, before the game. A, a gentleman who used to stand with at the Willows. I bumped into him and we had a nice coffee together before the game and just discussed the day. And then went off into the, the uh, into the ground. It was like going into the airport. You had to go through like a medical and go through screening and, and queue up. I was with Steve McCormick in the queue to go in, and I was just glad to get in there to be honest with you. Because when you was in there, those people kept telling you to put masks on and things like that. So it was. I mean, I said to this guy, I'm, I'm doing a report soon, so can I take my mask off too? He said, oh, yeah, that's that's fine. Make sure you put it straight back on. You're only allowed to take it off when you're eating and drinking. So I had a bag of toffee, so I was sort of eating them through the first half. But, no, it, it was great. I really enjoyed the game. I was I was up and down, really. I, I went back to being a supporter rather than just doing the radio. I was just shouting and cheering for Solver. I couldn't help it. I got a bit lost in the, in the occasion. and there's a point in the second half, I was banging my table, saying, this is it, this is it, we've got to do this now, you know, 16 points apiece. And I think we got a penalty when Paulie Paulie got tackled and tipped on his head, and I thought, this is it, this is the moment. I've waited all my life, but we're going to win the cup. And sadly, it didn't happen, and then Luke Gale went and dropped that goal. So, yeah, it's a bit of sweet day, but I really enjoyed it, thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I got to vote for the Lance Todd Trophy as well, which is something really special. You know, I'm not like a... A world famous journalist or anything, but it was, it was just nice to be given that 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 vote and that you know just felt really privileged. I voted for higher levels actually, and uh, I was reading the League Express today. He got two votes, so I think his votes was I reckon me and Trevor Hunt voted for uh, for higher levels. But no, it was a great day. 
And um, it's just a just a real shame. And I've been thinking about it the last couple of days. Obviously, I wanted Salford to win because I love the club. But thinking about it now, perhaps it just wasn't meant to be because the supporters weren't there. And I think, you know, I'd rather us win it when the supporters are all there and everybody can go and my dad can go and people like that. So, But I did enjoy the day. And, and of course, I wanted to win the match. I'm not going to try and freak you out, Paul, but I got a chance to vote on, on the that award as well. I never all guess right. who I voted for. Who? No levels. All oh, right, right, which okay. is a bit or, weird. Yeah, an email through. Yeah, yeah, I got an email through, so I, I, I did it um, at home um, right. with my cup final experience. Decided to pull out all the uh, the old banners I'd uh, the week before interviewing all the players and what and getting involved in all the the cup final build up with all the journalists, and it was really good. To be fair, it was like everyone was you know really nice, and you know you learnt a lot of things from people, even though it's all on Zoom and, and you can you can watch other other journalists asking questions and how they ask people questions and it, I took a lot from it really so then uh, game day thought right we'll go big so decorated my house um, got all my old banners out that I used to carry around uh, Europe following Salford about 15 years ago put them all over my house and all over my, my, uh, my, my back garden um, and obviously had the family you know my, my support bubble round and we had a had a really good day obviously watched the, watched the match um, got beat, but like you said, it was a, it was we were very, very unlucky. But as I said we'll talk about that in a minute. But I think it was just the occasion. I think I really quite sort of took everything I could out uh, from from the uh, from the day. Yeah, definitely. I think, like you said, I think the week building up to the final was really special. It was a bit like the grand final week. It was like just re- everything you were life. I mean, your life revolves around solving anyway, doesn't it? But um, you know, the grand final week and the Challenge Cup week, it was it was even a bit more, wasn't it? It was really, really special. It was like. I, it's hard to describe. It was like, I suppose, like Willy Wonka waiting to go in that chocolate factory, wasn't it? Charlie, Charlie waiting to go in the chocolate factory on <laughs> the film. You know, you're waiting for this this moment and this guy to come and let you in. But that, it was just, just magical, really. And the whole build-up, you, you look at newspapers and I find myself going buying all the newspapers just so I can read about it and just keep the paper cuttings and stuff like that because it's not often we are centre stage when you're in that cup final the two sides that are in it are like you take that centre stage for that week don't you that seven day period and the whole of the, the rugby league the whole of the sport is is looking at you not just in this country in Australia as well I was I, I saw I bumped into Steve Mascot at the game on uh, the weekend and you know he does a lot of Australian journalism and that and they, they they watch the sport over there don't they, they get up dead early and watch the, the Challenge Cup final over there so it's, it's a worldwide thing I, pre- I presume they're doing sort of Papua New Guinea and Fiji and places like that as well it's a massive, massive, uh, massive game in the Challenge Cup final. I mean, we talk about the grand final at Old Trafford, but I think for me, and I think a lot of the players and supporters, the Challenge Cup takes some beating. Yeah, you're right. Paul does. It does, and you know, we we all got involved. We all saw, you know, social media with Facebook and Twitter, and fans with scarves and shirts and banners, and really, really felt nice everyone together well together but in a virtual way and you know really sort of taking every minute and every moment from that even though it wasn't like old trafford where we could all mass together and you know enjoy it in that way but for the people i spoke to and you know the people that you've seen on on social media they, they took every ounce of that um which is really fantastic and uh you know i think it kind of like it, it helps us moving forward as well because we've, we've we've tasted it now and, and we know what what it's all about and there's no kind of fear anymore really is there about what what might happen no not at all not at all I mean 
I saw he's not one of my quotes. Is I have sort of thought it myself and, and said it, but I can't remember. I saw who said this quote on, on Twitter. It was somebody who I follow on Twitter. And I think they follow me, and I can't remember. So forgive me if I can't remember your name. But they were saying, um, you know, we used to dream about getting to Wembley. Ah, and, and can you help me out with it? Was? Yeah, I think it was. It was. But you know, it was a great tweet, and um, you know that that sort of brings it home now, doesn't it? So it. I was sort of thinking, I think I said it to you on the radio the other night, thinking about sort of 10, 15, 20 years ago when we were losing 80 points, 90 points, 70 points and going to those games. And then when I was at Wembley on, on Saturday, thinking, blimey, this feels a million miles away from that day at Odsall, you know, 20 years ago when we got beat with 90 points. It, it doesn't seem like the same Salford, but, you know, under, under Watto, it, those sort of days seem to have gone now, you know. We, we, we've got that mental toughness, that steel. We don't seem to be the pushovers anymore. And my dad was saying that to me today. We, other teams and other supporters don't seem to laugh at us anymore now when we turn up at their grounds. I think they have a bit of respect for us. I think what was given us an awful lot of respect and the players and and, and everything over the last few years. So um, yeah, we're definitely a club moving in the right direction, and that's the the comfort I got from Saturday coming out of Wembley and, and driving home. I wasn't as upset as I thought I would be, and I, I remember thinking to myself in the car. On the way back, we stopped off for a brew, and I thought, you know what? I don't feel as heartbroken as I was in '98 when we, when Sheffield beat us, and that was only a semi-final. So it just shows that in '98, perhaps I thought, God, we'd never do this again because we're so million miles away from these top sides. Whereas now, I don't think that now. I think, yeah, we could do that next season. I think anything's possible now. So I think that was a real comforting thing. Yeah, I found the tweet now, Paul. Uh, Ian Peacock, a measure of Salford Red Devils progress is that I've just hugged the kids and said, one day we'll win it. The mindset used to be, one day we'll get there. Yeah, great tweet. It is. It is a great tweet. And a great blog as well. So, yeah, um, I think that kind of sums up where we are, I think. So, um, yeah, so what, it's also our 300th episode as well, Paul, uh, which is which is pretty amazing. Uh, we'll have a little look into look into that uh, later on in the show. Yeah, yeah, that's. Um, I don't know how many I've done with you, but I enjoy it. I certainly enjoy it. Look forward to it every week. And um, yeah, I didn't. Have you ever been counting the episodes? How do you know it's three hundred? Well, I get a list. I know on on my on my um, database. I know how many I've done. Um, wow. They also know who you are, when you listen, how you listen. Not like it sounds like a Big Brother thing, um, but these stats are available to me <laughs> but uh, yeah it'll just like a bit of an idea about how, how wide uh, we spread our sulfur devil's love to the world yeah definitely I mean I remember you telling me that a few years ago when I first started doing it you were telling me people in I think it was in America someone in Brazil were listening to it someone in Jewett I think they're all over the place and I couldn't believe it so, so yeah, the, the more the merrier, mate. The more people who listen, and um, I mean, I saw something on the red chat the other day on Facebook. Um, it's a really cracking page going there quite a lot, and there was a lady on there. I think she was from down south somewhere who'd put something on about um, she just she'd never seen a game of rugby league before, and then coming to her front room just as the Challenge Cup final was kicking off, she heard of Leeds, so she thought she'd support Salford, and she watched the match, and I think she's become. A Salford support, and I you know, really enjoyed the game. So that, that's a great story of that, and I think that's what the power of terrestrial telly does, doesn't it? In a big, in being in a big final. Yeah, it's, it's, it blows my mind every every week, really, um, that people tune in from all over the world just to just to listen to us talking Salford Devils, and you know, we obviously 
me and, and Paul and everyone else who's been involved in it in, in the in the past, you know, can't thank you enough for, for tuning in and, and listening to us talk all things so Red. I can't thank the club enough as well for, for giving us access to the players and, and you know, club officials and I think it, it helps obviously build that relationship that we you know, we we ask the right we ask questions that are going to help the club because uh, I don't think it's about trying to trick the club up. It's about building them up and and you know building that exposure for them outside our bubble. Yeah, of course. As you'd never, I'd never dream of tripping the club up. I'd never dream, dream of trying to trip Watto up to get a story or a player or anything. I mean, I'm a supporter um, as you are. I mean, supporter first and foremost, and I always will be. Um, and I do my level best to protect the players and protect what if something was going amiss. I mean, I tried doing that a few years ago and what had a bit of pressure on him. I'd never ask him a question out of hand or if there's something I wanted to ask him, I'd, I'd just get it straight with him before a press record because that's not our style, is it? We're not there to to, to sort of get exclusive stories and, and sell newspapers or things like that. We're, we're there to help the club and, and the club help us and I think we work together and, and that's how it'll always be because we are, we are solving, aren't we? I mean, we're not like journalists who, who cover other clubs. I mean, I went to Wembley, didn't go in partial. I went with my Salford scarf on my Salford rosette. I was going there to represent Salford and report on them and that's that's how I'll always do it. And uh, I think that's the best way to do it and I think the club respects us for that. Yeah, I think we'll do this bit now, Paul, while we're talking about it. Uh, we've got listeners uh, all over the world, Mountain View, USA, uh, Sydney, Barcelona, Dublin, Tokyo, Clifton. You know, it, it spreads far and wide. Um, the... Um, the, the the reach for for Salford, so many fans obviously dotted around the 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 world on different continents and things like that. The the thing that blew my mind though, Paul, the re- really right because obviously I'll I get to know people who listen every week, and um, you know you're looking through the list of of, of people who, who listen and who have listened to every podcast that we've done, three hundred podcasts we've done in total, and nobody's listened to every one. That that's the thing that blew my mind first of all. Right. So I, I was looking through the list and obviously there's there's lots of names and I got to the top of the list, right? And there's two there's there's two names that shocked me. Well there wasn't there was one name that, that did and one name that didn't. There's me and there's someone called Robert Anderson. Okay. And who who do you think has listened to the most podcasts? Just remember, right, that I edit it, I put the the jingles in, I put the interviews in, I clip it all up. Have a, have a guess who's listened to most podcasts, me or him? Him. Yeah. <laughs> He's listened to 30 more than I have somehow. And I think it's probably when Patrick was editing it at the beginning. That's my thought process on that. Um, but it blew my mind because I thought, I can't believe this. That's, that's some dedication to be listening to that. And I mean... Wow, uh, that's blown my mind. That's someone who's to all the podcasts. Like, wouldn't it be great to get to get Robert? Uh, was it Robert Anderson? You yeah. Said? Wouldn't it be great to get him on the show? Yeah. I mean, if you're listening, Robert, and you you'll get in touch with us and, and get you on, we'll have a chat with you. I think that's great. That. I mean, no, that's that's. Yeah, I thought it was mad, really. But there you go. That's uh So that's our uh, little chat um, about it. Uh, obviously, I'd like to thank. You know, Patrick and Andy Steele, Dan Robinson, uh, Ryan Wilkinson, um, Man the Myth, Mark and Matt Scallon, Chairman Bob and yourself, Paul. You know, we, we've all we all invested in this and, you know, we all want to make it the best that we can be. 
Yeah, that's right. And we've had Parky on as well, haven't we? Yeah, Parky as well. Ryan Wilkinson, Richard Loke, he used to do a bit with us. Yeah. You know, good guy, Rick. Um, I'm hoping I've not forgotten anybody, but anybody else that we've had on, yeah, we've, we've had we've had quite a lot of guests on with us, haven't we? And um, Dave Campbell's been on with us a few times as well. Good lad, Dave. Did a lot of stuff for the Supporters Trust. So, uh, so yeah, I love speaking to anybody and you get any guests on, it's, it's great. But I really enjoy doing it and uh, it's been uh, it's been something, like I said, I look forward to every week. It, it really is a, get a lot, of, uh, a lot of pleasure out of it, mate, and a lot of enjoyment. Yeah, uh, and obviously because it's our 300th episode, uh, Paul, we've got a we've got a prize giveaway uh, for our listeners. We'll put it in the tank for later, so to keep you all uh, all listening. Um, but it is a, it is an absolute beauty. That's what it is. I'll give you that. Yeah, we're going to do a little quiz for it. Mm, yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah, I'm thinking. I think we're going to. Um, but we'll we'll tell listeners what it's going to be uh, after we talk about the uh, the Challenge Cup final on Saturday. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your big match review. So, Salford Devils were defeated in the Challenge Cup final. They went down 17-16 to Leeds Rhinos, Paul. It was an emotional day, and the players gave absolutely everything. And as fans, we can't ask for any more. No, it was an emotional day, Rob. It really was. It was emotional watching the players come out and, you know, supporters up and down the country and in Salford, you know, getting behind the side and everybody on Facebook with their scarves and, and things like that, and, you know, watching it with the flags like yourself. And it really was. I mean, I said to my wife on, on Friday night, um, we were having a bite to eat before we went to bed and... Um, I said, wow, we just look on, on Twitter and Facebook, it's just wall-to-wall Salford. I mean, my, my news feed normally is anyway, but I just couldn't see anything. All I could see was Salford stuff, and it was it's amazing, really. It just made you feel like, really, just just your mind was blown. And it was hard to take in. It, it really was hard to take in. But no, like you said, the game got off to... Um, I thought Leeds come out the quicker to me. We, we we got off on the on the back foot really, and they seemed to settle a bit quicker into to the match. But um, no, it was a, it was a tense opening. It really was. And Nia levels, I thought it was. A, I would say it was a gamble because I knew what I would had done the right thing. He'd, he'd play him if he was fit, and he looked amazing to me, Niall, in the, in the game. I think there was a couple of chances he might have missed, but he looked sharp as ever. And uh, we had a chance early on, didn't we, with a couple of tip on passes? And uh, Leeds defence was, was pretty good, and it had to be. Yeah, I think looking at it, Paul, that that Tom Briscoe tried. People kind of talking about whether he was in touch or not. I I, I thought it was was a try uh, on the first call. They looked at the ref, looked at it on the uh, the video ref, and yeah, there the, the might have been a bit of green between him and the line, but I, d- I don't think it's the moment where you think, oh yeah, that's that's what cost of the cup final. You're going to get moments of like good and bad in in a cup final, and. I suppose some games are won by skill and some games are kind of won by, um, you know, things that just you can't have any any effect on. And the, the way, if, if you look back at this final without any kind of emotion, you've got, like we talked about, the sort of the nigh level incidents where he goes through and, and um, Inu kicks over the top and he just can't gather and and then you go back, you know, a bit further on, and he he goes through and he kicks straight at Myler. I think other teams who who weren't kind of as focused 
or as strong mentally as Salford are, may have been starting to think this wasn't going to be our day, this. But this this team just kept plugging away and kept going and kept going. And that's kind of a you know a, a big tip to the likes of Ian Watson and the players because the the occasion could have over could have overawed them all. But they kept playing, they kept plugging away. And they were awarded with a try from Reese uh, Williams. 90 metre dash down the touchline. One of Wembley's greatest tries. He certainly was. And it, it came off the back of, uh, well, Leeds were attacking, weren't they? It was a Luke Gale attacking kick. Uh, what, not his best attacking kick. He sort of dollied it up in the air. I think, who took the ball now? It was Watkins, I think. Wouldn't it give it to Evels and Evels fed Williams and Williams just went. And the, the pace of Williams then, I mean, I was a army chair jumping up and down, willing him to the line. And I don't know what the people behind me thought. I thought it was if Wallet. But I'm just, <laughs> I just lost just lost it there when, when Williams scored. But it was a terrific try. Terrific try. And it got us right back into the game. And I think we started to settle a bit then. We started to gain a bit of confidence. and Because uh, that first sort of 15 minutes... I thought Leeds seemed to have the measure of us. They, they were defending well. They were, we were struggling to make meters, but that's the, that try sort of settled our nerves and got us right back in the game. In who kicked the goal, six points apiece, and you know it's a fantastic cup time. Yeah, I, th- I think what it is with, with Leeds, Paul, they had territory, and we we struggled, we struggled to get out of our twenty. Is that for me? Is that the kind of man management of Leeds, kind of knowing what is is needed in a cup final that you have to play every set and every tackle to the to the to its absolute limit and i suppose we had to we had to learn quick what what we had to do and i feel like we did because we didn't seem panicked we didn't seem in a rush um and to, to do anything we just knew that we had a process that we had to follow and like you said we, we hit back with a with a try from williams and it was game on you know the longer this game on the game went sorry paul the better we looked and it and it's kind of like a thing where in cup finals you can either shrink or you can grow. And I felt this team grew. Yeah, they they did. They had to do really because you've got to give Leeds a lot of credit. I thought they defended really well and they showed that doggedness to Leeds Rhinos in the semi final against Wigan. I mean, I know it was an awful day. Uh, but I watched quite a bit of that match. I watched like the second half and sort of the back end of the first half and they they limited Wigan. Wigan are a good side, you know, on the day. You know, that's a Hastings and a Farrell and, and the rest of the players they've got there with some world class players and, and and they really limited them leads. You know, I can't remember what the score was now, but it was they were nilling Wigan for quite a long time in that game. So they were a difficult team to score against and I thought they were the same again at the weekend. They, but but we opened them up. We had chances and, and what all said that? He said, you know, we, we did open up their defence and, and we created things, but I don't think we were as clinical as what we could have been. You know, we weren't as clinical as we were in the quarterfinals and the semis. We took those chances. And I think sometimes you, you only get so many, don't you? And if you don't take them, then you, you're on that back foot. But no, at six points apiece, I think it was, um, was it Donaldson that had a try, disallowed for a double mm. movement. Um, and Leeds' coach, Richard Agar, was sat about 100 yards from me behind this bench. And he's banging the table like mad. And you could hear him swearing and going on because I think he knew there straight away as soon as that went up to the video referee, it was going to be, be disallowed. Because I think the on-field decision was try, mm. if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it was a double movement and that was a bit of a lap for us. Well, that, that shows that the, when, the, when the, the pressure comes on, because it's exactly the same as the Watkins one in the semi-final. But Watkins knew that well, it wasn't the same, but it was because obviously he's under pressure, isn't he, Donaldson? So he just thinks, I've got to ground it. When Watkins reads the bounce and he knows he can't ground it when his instinct is to, 
So to read it and to think sort of logically and wait for the right time to ground, it shows that in that pressure cooker moment, it, it, it can it can do it, and that's why he's one of the best centers in the world. Yeah, I think for Donaldson there, you know, in hindsight, now it would have been a better option for him to take the tackle there. So I think they still had a couple of tackles in the bank and they probably would have moved the ball and scored anyway. So it's difficult sometimes. I think that's why Richard Agar was throwing teacups and uh, and banging the table. But but no, it was, Lee's got another try, didn't he, then for, um, I think it was Ash Hanley who went over, didn't they, just about 10 minutes before half-time. And that was real good hands, that, I thought, from Leeds. And they, they just showed that clinical lust there to put themselves back in front. Yeah, 12-6 half-time, Paul. And we were in the contest. Um, all that possession, all that territory from Leeds, I was thinking, you know, we, we've, we've absorbed a lot of you. And it will depend on, on whether we can find gears because defending's hard enough in a normal rugby league game. But with, obviously, the COVID version, with no scrums, no, not as many stoppages, the amount of oil, amount of juice in your tank becomes a... A big thing, done it. Um, but I thought we, we we didn't seem to 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 start to to drop off. I thought we got stronger as the game went. Yeah, there was an incident at the start of the second half that I thought we we mucked up really. I think we forced a drop out. I think it was a two with all yeah. if I remember rightly. Uh, Watkins he chased it brilliantly, penned the Leeds guy behind the, the sticks, drop out, and we let the ball go into touch mm. uh, from the dropout. We caught that up, and oh, it was it was one of those. We our, we could have really put some pressure on there, and that that let Leeds off the hook. So that was the the start of the second half. But we kept going, didn't we? And like you said, Paulie Paulie it crashed over, you know, and 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 got us a try there. Any missed the kick for that, which was a you know, turned out to be a big miss, really. Didn't but that twelve ten got us right back into the contest then. Yeah, Paulie Paulie doing what Paulie Paulie does best, running at the at the edge defender. Left uh, Luke Gale for for roadkill, ran straight over him and scored. And you know, people said against um, last week against All Kingston Rovers, you know, questioned about you know what what he did and and you know would he would he be worth that players in the team? But it shows that he, that you know he has got that ability to to make things happen. And every time he did touch it on on uh, Saturday, you knew that there was something going to go happen. And you know that try. You know, certainly put the wind in the Salford sails. Yeah, it certainly did because that, it came at a, a good time for us. That really because Leeds had, had quite a bit of possession before that, and it was a bit of a mini storm that we had to weather. They had a bit of ball, and um, we repelled that, and we were quite resilient in defence to keep them out. Because another try there, if they'd have scored another one, would have took them two scores in front, and they, they probably would have started to move away from us. So it was a, a good time for us to score, and then sort of out of nothing then. The, the high kick from two with Ola here, it was allowed to bounce, wasn't it? And then I thought it was terrific support play from Salford and great composure there as well. The way we, we shifted that ball to uh, to Greenwood and he went crashing over. And I remember thinking at the time when Greenwood scores, this this could be it. Now you know he scored in the quarterfinals, he scored in the semi-finals, and he scored in the final. And he'd probably be the first to admit it, James Greenwood that he's not the most prolific try scorer in rugby league, but he scored three fantastic, important tries in in the Challenge Cup in in all three rounds and. That then put us in front for the first time in the game. Yeah, that that Greenwood try gave me massive flashbacks to to uh, the Lee Moss try at Wigan because at that point I thought we're going to win the cup here, and you know you, you could you could sense it. Um, but looking back at that now, Paul, because obviously we've had this run to the, the the Challenge Cup final without crowds in the stadium, and when I look back through the rounds and our sort of plotting plot our our way to Wembley, 
I think the fact that there were any fans in the stadium helped because let me tell you how, how, what I feel about that quarter final against Catalan Dragons Inu's has two attempts to drop goals right which which he misses right but I feel if if we if fans were in the stadium at that point would would those fans be particularly happy about that and would we as fans would we be sending anxiety onto the onto that team onto our team which means would the team then put on the play that put Sardison over in the corner to win it that's 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 one thing I thought and then you go into the semi-final where we play Warrington and we're trailing um 22-12 and we kick off they make a mistake they drop the ball because uh, that play and Greenwood um scores off the back of it right if there's crowd in there and there's 4,000 monitor fans uh, behind that goal. Does um, does he drop the ball? Does he does he lose the ball in that situation? Or is he switched on enough to play out that set? But when you look at the final and uh, Greenwood goes over to score, reminds me of, of when Lee Mossop crashes over against Wigan in the in the semi-final of, of the, the Super League. The crowd lifted the team over that last hurdle and they kind of read, they kind of rolled the enthusiasm all the way to the, to the grand final. And because there wasn't any fans in the stadium, there wasn't that, that buzz. And I think we've, we've used that situation to our advantage to get to Wembley. But when we were at Wembley, we just needed it to switch and we needed the fans to lift and we didn't get it. Well, we, when when Greenwood had scored, then it, it was it was a crucial time in the game. I think possibly about twenty minutes to go. Then mm. something like that, just less than twenty minutes, and uh, we needed to to sort of consolidate there for the next ten minutes or so. We didn't. I thought we clocked off a bit. Yeah. I think Hamley scored about five minutes later. It was good, quick hands again, and we got caught out. Hamley caught us out twice there on the edge. They moved the ball well, leads, and he had a walking drag. And that, to me, is a clock off. It's a misreading defence, and it's a clock off. And, and you can't afford to do do things like that against Leeds. You've got to be switched on all the time. And you know, Martin missed the goal for that, so it was sixteen points apiece. Um, but the game was was still in the balance. I think the game was still in the balance there. And I don't know about the the crowds thing. I'm not too sure because there'd have been crowds there. We probably would have played St. Helens in the first round, <laughs> wouldn't we? So it would have been at home though. So I don't know. It's it, it, it's a difficult one. That. It, you could be right there with that. I don't know. I don't really look into all the, the science and things, but I must admit, at 16 points apiece, I was feeling a bit edgy then. I really was. But there was a couple of incidents then at, at 16. Oh, we got a penalty. Paulie Paulie got upended and we got a penalty there. And that's the, the moment when I banged the table at Wembley, like I said before. And I was thinking, this is it. This is this is the moment I've waited 30 odd years for. We're going we're gonna to do it now. It's going to get rid of all those years of hurt and all those years of, of, of being upset coming home from games and, and what have you. And I thought, this is it. We're going to go and do it. And I, I'm pretty sure that I've not, like I said, I've not watched the game back yet. I think we knocked it on. You know, the first tackle, oh, we got penalised at the play of the ball. We didn't mm. complete that set anyway. And we, we, we then handed the initiative to, to, to Leeds and we all know what happens next. Yeah, the, I think what it is, people talk about the Paul Paula play of the ball and he didn't play it right and the referee penalises him for it. For for me in this in this story there is no villains. From one to seventeen, they gave everything, and it's it's an interpretation of a rule. If 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 you're looking at it, 
Polly Polly wins collision and he gets up and plays the ball correctly. The only reason he falls over is because his markers aren't in front of him to to catch him as he plays the ball. And it's a cruel it's a cruel twist of fate that, it, that he's he's done so well that the markers are split. Because obviously, if he plays on Dudson gets the ball and he goes, it's a walking through a big hole. But it's one of them things. I'm, I'm not. I, I don't think it's right for us to say, "Oh yeah, what if? What if?" We get decisions. You don't get decisions. And I don't. I don't think it's not like '98 in in the Challenge Cup uh, semi-finals where Blakely kicks Phil kicks through and Phil Cousins has to leave it for Blakely to pick up and score to send us Wembley and Phil Cousins drops on it. It's not nothing like that incident, and it, and we, we us fans we shouldn't put that we shouldn't put that in the same category because it's a totally different thing. Yeah, well, you don't blame blame Pauly Pauly for that, really. It's um, I think yeah, I think uh, Martin Sadler summed it up in the in the League Express. He was saying it's like getting done for speeding, you know, doing thirty one miles an hour in a thirty zone, you know, to the letter of the law. You are breaking the law by doing thirty-one miles an hour. And I think with the Pauli Pauli incident, you see that throughout the, the game, don't you? If they penalised every time somebody did that when they play the ball, I mean, you're supposed to put your foot on the ball and roll the ball back at you to the letter mm-hmm. of the law, but nobody does it. Um, and there was another incident towards the end of the game, well, right near the end. Was it was it Kristen who ball steal? Yeah, in kickable in kickable distance. Does that referee then have the bottle to give us a penalty when we're a point behind? To kick the goal to win the, the final? No, he doesn't. So it is a game of fire. I'm not blaming the referee one bit for that for that cup final loss. I think I think Leeds were just slightly a bit more composed than we was, and and that's that. And they dropped a goal and they won the game. But I did think there was one or two decisions like it like it in the grand final. I think there was some in the grand final against St Helens where we didn't get the the, the rubber the green. So I'm not blaming the referee one bit though. You know, Leeds were, were won the game and and that's it. We live to fight another day, but. Sometimes you do feel a little bit bitter, don't you, about these decisions? Yeah, I think what it is, Paul, is, is composure. That's what it is. And we, you talk about the, the Inu um, sort of moment was when we played Warrington under under 10s, right? It was a, That was a close game, wasn't it? And he, fake, he went, we, had, we all set up for a field goal and he fakes the field goal and then he gets a penalty off the back of it and we kick the, kick the goal to win the game. And... It's like I say, it's the same incident with two different um, sort of decisions on the back on the on the back of it. For me, um, was it the referee who, who decided not to, or was it just he he, he read it a different way? And I, I, like I said before, there isn't any villains in this because Inu could have gone through a sail through a gap and scored. And it's it's life is is what it what it is and i think it's a, a beautiful moment for us to get to Wembley and and compete we talk about the 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 grand final i thought this performance was better i don't think we were overawed at all in in the in the contest we we went to to win this game ian blees spoke to me earlier in the week and he said you have to lose a final to win it and, and i feel that the the players knew that and and sort of used that to their advantage yeah, they did. Um, I don't think you could you could say the players didn't give hundred percent. I think every single player on that pitch gave hundred percent and was was fully committed. You, I'd perhaps perhaps one or two players didn't have the the best games or 
or do or weren't effective as they were in other games. And I think again, you've got to, you've got to give credit to the opposition. The opposition had a game plan. They've got a decent coach yeah. in Richard Agar, and he probably he probably saw, you know, certain players in Salford side who've been good in the Catalans game, who've been good in the Warrington games, and he, he probably targeted them and, and tried to keep them quiet and and and. and nullify their threat so that game though could have gone either way either mm. side could have won that game at 16 apiece there and it just so happens that they Leeds dropped that goal so really really fine margins you know cigarette paper margin really that the, the, the closest of it so you know that game's gone now we, we've got to move on we've got, we've got some massive games coming up in the league now and you know the Challenge Cup it's a comforting thing that comes around every year and we'll get another opportunity next year and you know uh, I just wish I'd have cashed my bet out now as well <laughs> I could have cashed out for 180 quid on Friday night. I let it roll. Oh. But yeah, I, I, I do, I do see your point there, Paul. But I, I just think with, with Leeds um, and Gale, that he's, he's, he knows what the big game is all about. And all everything was in his head was we'll get in position to drop a goal. He wasn't thinking any other way. And a lot of com- a lot of comments in the game about Sofa were playing off the cuff, and you know he got us to where he got us. And I'm, I was thinking previously that Ian Watson and this team has areas in which to develop I feel and we, we've we've found ways of winning now we, we know that we can come behind come from behind and win a game and we can also win a game we're not supposed to win but now we've got to learn how to win games when we're in front and and that's that's where this team is now Paul I feel that that with this players we've got um, and the direction of travel we're going, um, we could be, you know, in for something special in the next few years if we continue on this upward curve. Yeah, I, I've heard journalists and, and people say about our off the cuffness and and things like that. I, I'm not going to quote journalists, but I think sometimes they're, they're a bit disrespectful to the way we play. And I think we are we are a good side. You know, you ask any coaches in Super League, they'll tell you that we're a good side and, and they don't take us for granted when they, when, when they play Salford. So, for me, I think we've got a really good team. I think we've got some excellent players in there. We play as a team as well. We're a good unit. I think perhaps we're, we're maybe two or three players away from being a you know a really cracking side, a really top, top, top three, top four sort of team. Um, you know, there's areas in the side that we need to improve. I'm not going to go into them because that would be disrespectful to, to the players. I want to say that, but I think there's perhaps two or three positions that if we can really tighten up on those, then we're going to take some stopping. We really are. So uh, I know that the, the club are looking at recruitment for next season and I won't really mention any names yet because nobody's been confirmed, but we all know who we're being linked with and, and things like that. So and they look exciting, don't they, the players that we're being linked with? So let's hope that those deals get done and, and we're going to have an even stronger squad for 2021. It's going to be exciting, it really is, but there's an awful lot of rugby league to be played this season. Yet we've got three games coming up in seven days, haven't we, against Wigan, St. Helens and Warrington. So the the players are, are back down to earth with a bump and uh, you know three three real tough games to go out. Yeah, because this team's going to evolve, Paul. You know, players come in, players go out, and Ian Watson moulds them again. And you know, it's up to us fans, really, to to try and and help grow the club by trying to get your mates to go and trying to promote us at work and and things like that. Because the more people we have going through that turnstile, and the more people that you know buy season tickets, um, you know, the, the stronger the club is. I know. Um, somebody who's a, a new Salford fan um, went to the first. They went to the grand uh, the semi-finals. It was the first game. Grand final was the second game. I think they went to a couple of league games. 
Um, and they watched obviously the semi-final and they watched the watched the final as well. And, I, and I'm I'm like saying to him, look, it's not like this every week. Hopefully, it will be for the next sort of five years, five ten years. But you know, we have got to enjoy it. You know, every moment. And you know, these fans who will invest in our club both financially and emotionally. You know, we can grow our fan base. The world's our oyster, isn't it? Yeah, you better go on to your mate Boris Johnson and tell him to let the supporters in because we don't know where we're going to be able to go yet, do we? So uh, well, that's another story, isn't it? But yeah, I, th- I think once supporters can start going to the games again, I, I can see there being a real a real surge at Salford because that first game back at the AJ Bell when we when we can all go, I mean, we, nobody knows when that's going to be, but you know, it's going to be someday, isn't it? So I think that'll be really emotional. I think... You know, if I was the club, you'd be really targeting to... And this, this might sound a bit ambitious, but let's sell the AJ Bell. I want we all get back there. Why not? You know, people might be have been starved the sport for, you know, over 12 months or, or whatever. So you could have a real sort of carnival atmosphere for that game. And I, I'd love that, you know, to, to, to get the, the, the ground absolutely packed out. Um, so we'll have to watch this space, see what happens there. But the, the, the rugby that we've been playing and this, this season, the, the cup run and, you know, the excitement going forward to 2021, this club's growing all the time. And, you know, it might be be, uh, be be slow, steady progress on and off the field. But you look at the, the guys who are running the club, the, the coaching staff, the people at the top of the club, it's, it's in a really healthy position now. And we've just got to keep revolving. And I think we'll be in more finals. That That's why I wasn't, Sort of heartbroken. I was. I was disappointed on Saturday. Don't don't get me wrong. I was, but I wasn't sort of heartbroken in a way because I believe that we can get there again in you know in the near future. Yeah, totally agree with you there, Paul. Because what it is, this final, it's a jumping off point for for us for us because as a club, it's all about achieving what's next. And my my only kind of worry is what happens now, and you're hoping that we're all, you know, Ian Watson and his coaching staff and, and all the players, you know, they they know there's still more to be achieved. Um, and and I'm, I'm sure deep down they know that. We, we've spoke to Ian Watson. We spoke, I spoke to a couple of players um, after the game and and, and they, they still seemed, you know, fully focused on, on what, you know, this team and this club can achieve. Yeah, well, well, without being too harsh, we've still not won anything. Have we? We've been into to, to two finals, which are great achievements. But I think Watto and the, and the players now they've got ambitions. They want to win things, don't they? Watto wants to bring the trophy back to Salford, and he's not done that yet. And I, I think he'll be even more hungry to, to do that in the, in the future. You know, next season we'll be looking to, to take trophies now because we, we're challenging. Aren't we? So uh, that's not being negative. Me saying that that's that's meaning we've got the hunger and the desire to to go and do it. And uh, I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll we'll be there again next season. You know, what was a fantastic coach? He'll be identifying players and he'll make this team better and stronger. Yeah, uh, Tom Bramwell um, spoke to Reese Williams and I spoke to uh, James Greenwood um, after the uh, after the game. And this is what they had to say. Reese, you okay? Yeah, good, thank you. Yourself? Not bad, thank you. Um, when you're racing through and you're going through for the for your try, is there any point where you think you might not make it? Obviously, a, a full-length of the field try at Wembley is a bit different to a full-length of the field try at Castleford or somewhere where it's a much shorter distance to cover. Is there any point where you, you thought maybe you wouldn't get there? Uh, not to be honest. I, once I, when I saw Robert Louis sort of cutting across, I, I did think, all oh, right, I'm going to have to put my foot down a little bit harder, I thought. Uh, but once I knew he couldn't get the angle on me, I was, I was, you know, pretty content that, you know, 
uh, I was going to get over. So it wasn't too much of a worry. I was just more worried that, uh, trying to get under the post so that made the kick a bit easier for, for Chrissy, which obviously in a, in a, in a final is going to be important. So, no, nah, I wasn't too worried, no. And it, I know you said you haven't been able to watch the game back yet or anything like that, but is there any point if you're able to reflect on that that'll possibly go down as one of the great Wembley tries? There's a lot of parallels between some of the like the field efforts that come before that you know that it'll be a historic game anyway because of the no fans and things like that. But your try could go down and be remembered just for the nature of it. Uh, yeah, I've, obviously uh, without watching the game and sort of haven't reflected properly yet. I don't think for myself. Um, Obviously, with losing and being having the feeling of being so gutted, I think I've had time to sit and reflect and actually think about think about the try. And you know, I'm more gutted for for us as club uh, and the fans. Obviously, it's great that we got there and and to score such a good try. Um, it's you know, it's great. And and further down the line, I'm gonna you know reflect on that and think you know it's pretty cool to score a try at Wembley. And, and a night meter effort, but uh, for the time being, it, it's it's just sucks that we lost, and um, it's hard to sort of put that joy of scoring a try um, at the forefront when you know we've lost as a team, and and that's that's where it hurts. And you've played in some big games internationally, in World Cups and things like that. How does the the Wembley, the Challenge Cup final experience compare to something like a World Cup? Um, I think because with World Cup it's group stages and it's there's not I wouldn't say less to win for but you've got one game to win it all um, and just the history of the cup you know it's obviously a special special occasion you know I've, I've used to live obviously in London and uh, been to the last three or four finals just as a team uh, when we were down there so to go from watching it last year as uh, in in London uh, to you know being there this year, uh, me Luke Yates and uh, Elliot Keir both sat down before the game yesterday and said oh, that was a bit bit different from last year where we were having a having a beer at the cup final. So obviously uh, to come to come from that last year, you know, get relegated to being in the Charles Cup finals is a big turnaround and uh, to credit to Salford for getting there. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously you had a little loan spell with the club previously. Uh, could you have ever thought during that point that the club would be able to progress to the point where it is making consecutive major finals? Yeah, obviously with um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster for the for the club. You know, when I when I came on loan, uh, my one was just about to take over, so they're in at that point they're in you know that roller coaster of of the high of you know signing big players and and. Uh, Probably for the club, you know, to be that settled under Watto now, uh, which which is a great thing. You know, Watto's such a good coach and such a good bloke, uh, and it's been a privilege to play with him and to be coached by him. Um, so I think with Watto there and his ambition, um, it's it's great that we're in that position now where we're we're fighting for for titles, and and that's the way it should be. And I know you touched on it previously then about the, the games coming thick and fast now. It feels like six days now might be the longest break you get for a little while. Coming yeah. Did you do anything, anything different? Have you had the opportunity to, to almost like have a beer or something last night and put that behind you before you get back into the Super League fixtures? 
because you've got this bit of an extended break for a rare one. Yeah, yeah. We, well, we had a we had a beer on the train together as a team last night, and um, I'm sure we're, we're not until Tuesday now, so uh, I'm sure we'll have a, a sit down and and what we'll sort of go over the sort of plan of of action for the next you know month or so. I, I think there's that many games in this next month that you know we're going to have to use the whole squad. That's, you know, there's no question about it. Um, and I think, uh, you know, before the, before this last week, we were in a good, such good run of form that um, we want to continue that, you know, in the last two games, I know the final and the game against Hokia, we've lost by one point um, in both games. So um, the, that's the frustrating thing. The, the, the good thing is we're in a position now where we're only losing by a point and it's, and it's going. So, um I think just getting back on the horse and, and getting a win uh, against Wigan next Friday is just, just going to be so important for us. Cheers, Risa. All right, James, it's Rob. Hi, all right. Um, before Saturday, have you ever been to a, a Challenge Cup final before? I've been with... I think I've been twice with Wigan, once with Hokeyar when they got absolutely hammered, but um, I've never played... And did you get to manage to see all the excitement on social media from all the Salford fans? Um, I seen some of it, yeah, but I don't do social media, so I didn't. Um, you know, I seen I seen clips and that, but that was about it, really. I, I kind of just wanted to focus on what um, what I was doing, but like beforehand, and you know, even when we got down there on the bus, there were some fans knocking about around the stadium. And I, you know, it was absolutely brilliant. What was your prep like through the week with everything going on? Well, it started absolutely crazy, didn't it? With um, from the, the from the tests to start with, before we even got to that week of training. So, um, you know, it was a little bit disturbed with you know what's going on. But back to that thing of the culture we have with Watto, that you know everyone was confident. You know, everyone was going into that game thinking that, that everyone was confident with it. We all knew what jobs we were doing. Well, I think we picked up some really good form probably four or five weeks, you know, leading up to it. Um, and then, then them two them two days, we, um, you know, we we just moved our training days basically to the days we'd have had off, really. So in terms of prep, I think it was right. But the start of the week, it was absolutely crazy because no one knew if you were allowed into the training ground, if you, if you weren't allowed into it with all the rules that were going on. Um, but then once we settled that down, the medical staff got on top of it and sorted it out, what was going on. You know, everyone just knuckled down and cracked on with the week ahead. What was it like playing at Wembley in front of no fans? Um, dude, he was... Yeah, I mean, some of my family's asked me this, and it was... Like, we, we went and had a walk around the pitch the day before on the Friday, um, and a few players were saying, and like I was thinking it, thinking, you know, the stadium's empty and we're just walking around, but this is what we're going to play in. So it was like... This is it is going to be strange, and you know the build up to it and all that. The warm up was, you know, you don't get that buzz of what you normally get when you step out onto the field, you know, from the fans, you know, absolutely wild. But then, you know, five ten minutes into the game, it was just like a normal game. Then once that had gone, yeah, uh, people are saying it was one of the best Challenge Cup finals of all time. Uh, did you feel that on the pitch while you were playing? It was an exciting game. Um, yeah, I just thought it was end to end stuff. You know, I just think. Um, we're both very, very, um, you know, we're, we're both very attacking teams and, 
you know, we, we both got good defensive structures, but we were, we were able, we both sides were able to break each other down. Um, and I think just from a few people who I've spoke to said, they've said as well that they've said it's one of the best finals they've seen. No one, you, you, you didn't know which way it was going to go up to the very last minute. Even the very last seconds, you know, there was a chance of someone winning it. You know, the, the chances were being created. So, yeah, I, during the game, it was it was just a game. And then towards the end, it was getting there. And then you just knew, you just didn't know which way it was going to go. You didn't know what was going to happen. You just you were just waiting for a breaking play that were coming. Yeah, you scored in the quarterfinal, the semi-final and the final. Confession time. I cried like a baby when you crashed over. Uh, yeah. What was going through your head? Um, well, at the time, it was more, you know, we've... Um, at, at the time, I thought we we just about managed now to start cracking the, you know, breaking leads down. That's what I was thinking at the time. You know, a lot of the players around me were we were in our heads. We was like, we've got these now. You know, we we just need to we just need to you know carry on the way we're doing now and try and close this game down. Um, but then that's what happens with the how exciting the final was. Before you know it, it would turn back on its head and it was. Back into you know level pegging again. Well, to score them three tries in them consecutive rounds, that's something that you're going to look back at sort of when your career finishes as like a major highlight. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, it's definitely, especially scoring at a, um, a final at you know at Wembley. But yeah, to score in each of them, you know, some of the lads have said you love a Challenge Cup try. I said, yeah, I'm not scoring the league, but I scored in Challenge Cup. Um, but yeah, it's. It's it was just especially with that one, it was just more being in the right place at the right time. But I definitely look back at it in part of my career. Um, you know, three consecutive cup games and three tries. Yeah, I'm guessing the mood wasn't the greatest uh, on the final hooter, but obviously now we've all calmed down and you can reflect on it. Do you, do you think it was sort of a really good performance by everybody? Yeah, I thought. It, I thought you know, dug deep, and I think it was just one of them games where. You know, nine out of ten them chances we take them, and that one, that one, one out of ten, you know, small chances where they go against you in a game, and that unfortunately was that game. But I think all the boys put an absolute huge effort in, and you know, I don't think you could complain with anything with um, how it went. Um, do you think there's extra pressure on yourselves now uh, for the rest of the season after what you've achieved so far? Um, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think we've got to. Um, you know, I think we've got to carry on as we did. And you know, we, we'll look back at that game and think, you know, it was definitely one that got away from us. But you know, we've got to crack on now with the rest of the season. And I don't think there's any pressure. I think we've just got to perform now. You know, um, we've just got to try and get as far up the table as we possibly can, and you know, um, keep on with where we were before the final. You know, leading up to it, we were just we we're playing really well. You know, we're breaking teams down and. Um, yeah, the proof is in the pudding there and then, you know, we were getting the wins we needed. Yeah, you were at Salford back in 2015 and, you, and you're here now. C- can you pinpoint a difference between the, the club then and now, Barmy? Um, I think it's definitely the, you know, the coaching staff and I think it's definitely the culture that, that you know, probably Watsoy and Bleach, you know, the conditioner and all, all I think really Settled down, and you know they they've got players who are willing to play. They're bringing in loads of youngsters, you know, and some of the players that you don't, you know, that other clubs probably don't want. You you seem to that's where Salford go. What's the best? 
that's his way of coaching and he knows how to get the best out of players. I don't know what it is, but he just does. What's your, your personal aims uh, for the next sort of few years at, at Salford? Um, just to, oh, hopefully we'll go on and win, you know, actually win the silverware. You know, the way that's what we talked about after, uh, you know, the start of this season, which seems forever ago, but um, that was the, the that was our whole point of get to another final, but actually come out of the triumphant and be the winners and win some silverware. So next few years will definitely be exactly the same. You know, we'll go on and uh, we've proven we can do it. You know, um, you know, people you probably used to think that Salford or you know Salford are just Salford, but last few years it's proven that Salford are up there and they can challenge with the best. And you know, they're more than, we're more than capable of taking silverware. Yeah, Wigan next game. Is it important we don't get a, a cup hangover and go out all guns blazing? Oh yeah, definitely. I think we've got to uh, definitely get back to like I said, we'll be back in training tomorrow and um, focusing on that game. And like I said, I think it, I think Wigan was the last game before the lockdown at home, and we did a job on them. And I don't see why we can't do a job on them again. You know, um, I don't think they're the same Wigan as what they used to be. Um, of what people make them out to be. So, you know, I think they're there for the taking. Cheers, James. Thanks very much. So, obviously, both players, both try scorers in the the contest, Paul, both disappointed, but both know that there's more to come. Yeah, they're hugely disappointed, the players, and it must be a difficult job to... To interview players and uh, after a defeat like that, and it must be a difficult job for the players to actually conduct the interview because what do you say to someone when they've just lost a lost a Challenge Cup final? It's, it must be difficult, but I think now now the dust has settled a little bit. The players will be looking forward to getting back out there because I think after a defeat, after losing a big cup tie and a big cup final, if it was me, I'd want to get back out there and get playing again. You know, put that game to bed now and and move on because there's still a lot of rugby to be played this season. We've got a lot of tough games to play, as I said before, and. No, I'm not so sure whether we can mathematically make the top four. No, I probably can't. But we just want to finish as high as we can in that league table. Now, it's a matter of pride, isn't it? So, uh, so I'm pretty sure that the lads will be looking to get back out this week against Wigan. Yeah, because that's what surprised me about sort of great James Green when I spoke to him. Um, I told him that obviously when he when he scored, I, I cried. And, and I asked him, you know, what was going through your head when you've scored, like you're saying, a quarterfinal, semifinal, a final? What's going for your head at that moment? And he's just had, he just thought he just said we have to we have to nullify leads and stop leads from playing, and that's the elite sort of mentality of of a, of a fantastic sportsman because he's not getting caught up in that emotion of, of of the moment, and he's just thinking right next set, next tackle, let's achieve, let's try and get what we can, you know, try and win this game. Even though we didn't end up winning the game, it just shows that the culture at the club. Is, is spot on. You probably find that James Greenwood didn't even think about the try score in the quarterfinals or the semi-finals. <laughs> he probably didn't remember that stat because you're so you're so focused on the game that you're trying to win, aren't you? And, and he's that sort of player. He's um, a real grafter, isn't he? The amount of work he gets doing a game. So, that, like you said, that's what he was probably thinking. There, we, we've got to hold on now. And, and and once you've scored a try and got yourself into the front into the lead for the first time in the game, you know you're gonna have a storm to weather then. And, we just couldn't quite weather that storm when we took the lead, could we? Yeah, you're right, Paul. But it's a le- it's a learning experience, and you know this team with Wattle has come so far, and 
there's there's still miles there's still miles to go in this on this on this journey. It doesn't it doesn't end at Wembley. It didn't end last week. This team hopefully doesn't get split up or, or drop off. This team keeps reaching for the stars and, and keeps, you know, trying to achieve the most it can. We've got we've got, you know, fantastic players, we've got a great coaching setup, we've got, you know, fantastic direct directors who you know has have vision for for the club and and where they want to take it and it just seems like it's starting to like a golden age to to be a, to be a Salford fan we've watched Salford for years Paul and, and you know we, we've we've suffered it has to be said but you know you'll look, we'll look back at these uh, you know last sort of three to five years and hopefully the next three to five um and and see it as a golden period and you know I've I've Quite, I'd, I'd say I'm confident now after the, what, what I saw in that Challenge Cup final that we we get back to Wembley or we get to a grand final, we'll win it. I, I really, I really do believe that because you know we'll we'll keep developing and we'll, we'll keep getting better. And we'll, obviously, like you said, we'll, we'll bring players in to make this team better and the squad stronger. And that's what it's all about. It's about evolving, and, and that's what I feel is going on here. Well, yeah, the last three years or so have been a breeze watching Salford, but just going back to the point you said there about the, the Challenge Cup final doesn't end, sorry, the the dream and, and, and the vision doesn't end here at Wembley. No, it doesn't. It's only just started. I mean, the, the, the dream didn't end at the million pound game, did it? The dream no. didn't end at the semi final in 2017. It didn't end at the grand final. You're only as good as your last match, aren't you? So you just keep going, don't you? And, and that's the vision now. That, that, that game's gone now. We'll remember that. We'll remember going to Wembley for the first time in 51 years. But, you know, it, it gets it gets put on the shelf now, and and you you keep moving forward, don't you, on to, to bigger and better things, and, and and testing your arm and evolving. I think evolving is the word um, I was looking for before, and and that's what Ian Watson will want to do. He won't want to rest on that laurels and and say to his family in years to come, yeah, and I took over to a grand final and, it, and we got beat, and I took him to a, to Wembley and we got beat. He'll want to win something. He's a winner. And you know he's, he's he's talented. You know he's he's one of the most hottest properties in rugby league at the moment. You, a lot of clubs would wish they had him coaching them. I tell you that now. And a lot of clubs with a lot more money than we've got, they'll be looking and thinking, "Blimey, I wish we had someone like that at our club." You know, coaching us whether they approach what or what. I, I don't know because a lot of these bigger clubs, you know, say in brackets, tend to go for the big, the big overseas coach, don't they, or, or the or the big name to to satisfy the supporters and whatever. But I'm quite happy with the way we run our things at Solve. We cut our cloth accordingly, and we've we've got a good guy there, but we've got a very ambitious guy in Watto, and uh, you know he'll want to uh, get back there and, and experience that again and, and lift that trophy. Yeah, I think I'm sure Red Paul King had a had an interview saying that we have to match his ambition, and you know that that's what that's a positive thing. We we can't sort of start resting on laurels because we think, yeah, we got to a, a Challenge Cup final. That's what all I've ever wanted to to see Salford play at. It's not. It's about the next Cup final. It's about the next getting to the next playoffs, getting to the next Grand Final. You, you can't stop. It's got you've got to keep you know evolving. You got to keep rolling on and and. You know, you look at this team and you look at what's around it and and the structures. It's set. It's just set up, I think, Paul, for 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 a for a mighty climb to the to the very top. Yeah, it is, and you you do tend to need that bit of investment, and you too do tend to need that bit of extra income, and that that could come through supporters coming through the turnstiles when they can start coming again, like we've just mentioned before briefly. So, you know, what what's going to whet supporters' appetite than getting to these big finals and playing this big rugby league, this fantastic brand of rugby league, and playing it on terrestrial television as well? I believe at the weekend it was. Uh, 
one of the biggest audiences they've had for a long time watching the Challenge Cup final. So you probably find a lot of people there. I mean, I know it's going to be a lot more because people couldn't go. So you probably have the 90,000 people who weren't at Wembley or would have been there, watched it on the TV. But it was so many million. So you've got an awful lot of people there who, who probably live in the northwest who, who watched it on the television who, who might never have heard of us before. So, you know, that, people are going to remember who Salford are now, I think. You know, we, we're putting our name on the map and, and that's an important thing. So, you know, once once people can come to the ground again, I'd love to see it full. I'd love to see people getting behind the, the, the club because we've got something special here. I think we really have something special now and uh, it's just about building on it now and, and seeing how far we can go as a, as a club, you know, because we've seen it with other clubs. They've come up from, from down the bottom. You know, look at Warrington. They've done it. They, they, they were pretty poor like us in the 80s and the 90s, well, towards the back end anyway. And, and, and they've sort of moved to the stadium on a couple of Wembley trips, slowly but surely built it. Now they can challenging every season now. Castleford have been the same, haven't they? Been up there for the last couple of years and we seem to be getting that mentality now. All right, we're not quite up there this season, but a lot of factors in this season, I think a lot of mitigating circumstances with, with the, the break and, and things like that. So, you know, it's about consistency now and 2021 is going to be a massive season for our club. Yeah, because that, that's what kind of made me sad, really, because we need rugby league to grow out of our own echo chamber of, of, of supporters. We needed a new name on the trophy and we were that, that, that underdog. We were that name that could have burst out into the, the general world and say, after 80, whatever years, this team has, has, has reached the final and won it. But it's, it's one of them. We gave everything. A lady look just wasn't shining on us and, and, and there's nothing you can do about that. Um, so I, I see it as like when you're watching football and the, the inside of the post and comes out or you're playing cricket where the batsman edges it and it goes between your slip fielder and your and your wicket keeper. Sometimes Lady Luck doesn't doesn't shine on you, but we we know that we're good enough to, to go and win it. So next time we'll, we'll put ourselves in that same position and hopefully Lady Luck will, uh, will, read, will read the fairy tale this time. Well, that's right. Sometimes you've just got to play the, the cards that you dealt, and we were dealt those cards at the, the weekend, and we didn't get the result. There's nothing you can do about it now. It's it's, it's gone that game. Now we'll remember it. We'll remember the week and remember the memories. But no, it's about us moving forward now, mate. Yeah, big thanks for your, your three word match reports and man of the matches. Uh, Lee Mankbox uh, can't uh, can't be any prouder uh, after that performance. Uh, Paul, love this team, Evolds. Um, Stephen Stewart will be back, Evels. Mark just fell short, Evels. A lot of people early, Paul, going for Nile Evels, like you said, coming back from injury uh, straight into the cup final, showed how much of a good player he was because it didn't look like he was away. He'd been away. No, he didn't. And <clears throat> excuse me, at half time, the, the guy who was from the RFL who was bringing the little farms around for the Lance Todd. He said, I'm going to come and collect this off you between the 70th and the 75th minute. And he come and collected mine, I think it was about 71 minutes. And I was just about, I'd not wrote it out because I was I was swaying for Luke Yates because I thought, oh, Luke Yates had a good game here. And he was still 16 all at the time. And I thought, well, I ain't voting for a Leeds player. And I thought, who's going to pinch this for Salford here in the last 10 minutes? And the way we were playing, I thought, I'm going to go nine levels because I think he's had a decent game. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if anybody's going to pop up now in this last sort of five or 10 minutes, could be him, you know, like he's jacking a box sometimes, and he? I thought he could come up, so that's why I went for higher levels. But I thought he had a great game, and like you said, didn't look like he'd been away. He looked as sharp as sharp as ever. Yeah, it's like it's when he takes the bomb, 
and you and you're like you don't even look at the screen because you know he's going to catch it and that yeah. that's kind of the that's kind of like shows how good he is because you expect him to give even in traffic and and there's leads players all around him he still manages to diffuse it and and that that tells you he's he's a he's a world class fullback and we are going to miss him uh, next season but Escalé you know he is a, a a good a good fullback as well he's got pace he could he could step inside nigh level shoes and 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 pull up a certain you know pulling in certain amount certain standard performance which we expect. Well, yeah. Well, there's another man as well, Dan Sargison. Yeah, he could be the fullback next season. You don't know about the other players that we're bringing in for the centre spots. We've got Callum Watkins there already, haven't we? And uh, amongst other players, so it, it depends where what I was going to play. Escaray, so uh, hopefully we'll have some good competition for places and, and people, you know, wanting to play well every week to keep the shirt. Um, Stephen Stewart will be back. Mark just fell short. Evels, Richard Martin bursting with pride. Mossop, Natalie Taylor couldn't ask any more. Greenwood, uh, Martin, uh, Sandland Owens, Salford and Proud, Colin Wilson, pride, passion, commitment. Um, man of the match, all 17. You said. Within touching distance, Evels. Uh, David Deakin, also oh close. Whole squad, man of the match. Craig Carter, so, so close. Evels. Patrick Conley, not quite enough. Evels. John Waite, heroic failure. He said it sounds terrible, but it, it, it's meant in a good way. And I kind of agree with him there. Um, because it was it was, it was was a heroic effort. Um, like I said before, there isn't any villains in the, in this story. From 1-17... They gave everything and we couldn't ask for any more. No, he's bang on there, John. I get what he's saying there because you can talk about it till the cows come home about you being proud and this and that. Yeah, I was I was mega proud, but we lost the game, didn't we? And it is a failure. You know, if you want to be really, really harsh and in the harsh reality is, I mean, I mean, we I know none of us really think like that, but you you didn't win, did you? So yeah, so he's right. He's right in a way, and um, that's just that's just painting it the, the harsh way, I suppose. Adam Arbre, uh, be consistent ref, Watkins, Mike Woodbridge, well played lads, Mossop, Duncan, Duncan, proud of them, Stan, well played Salford, your mate Roy Ellaby, fine margins cost, Greenwood, and Anthony Walker, very, very proud, and Sam Kind, proud, but exhausted, which I think, I think that's what it is, that it's, it's going to be more about whether the, it's the how, how much you took out of the players, physically and mentally now uh, in the next few weeks because they've got a few games to come haven't they yeah we've got we've got um, Wigan this Friday we mm. play St Helens on Monday and then Warrington the following Friday so you've got probably the three best sides in the league now or three of the best sides in the league in, in the space to seven days Wigan have not played for a, for a bit they got their, their game postponed didn't they against Catalan so they've had quite a good break <clears throat> Excuse me. Say, Ellen's got knocked out in the cup quarterfinals, so they've they've had a pretty decent break, really, and not been playing the, as many games as we have. So, um, and Warrington have got a massive squad. Those three teams have all got big squads, so it's going to be difficult for us to, to match them and, and compete with them. It really is. But um, you know, you've got to do. You're in Super League now. We, we've got this this sort of season that we're having this this crazy season where the games are coming thick and fast. You know, the grand finals are only about. What date are we on now? It's about five weeks away, I think, the grand final, so or six weeks at the most. So you, we've, we've still got quite a lot of games to play. I think we've got seven games left. Six or seven. No, hang on. 
yeah, seven I think we've got left. So there's still an awful lot of rugby league to be played. So thick and fast, the, the squad is going to get really tested. Yeah. It's going to be uh, interesting next uh, few weeks. Because obviously, like you said, we've still we've still got games to come in the Super League, and I think it's it'd be, I think Ian Watson will want to finish as high as he can in in this uh, in the Super League to to show you know what being at Salford Red Devils is all about. We get we can get to the cup final and not switch off would be a would be a big big thing for me, and I'll be looking at seeing what happens in the next few weeks to see if the players can lift themselves again because. It's going to be interesting to see if they can. I questioned them before. We, I remember last season in the Castleford in the in the playoff game whether they could find gears, and they did for about four or five weeks after. So if they can do it again, and we can go as high as we can go, then uh, then I'll be happy with that. Yeah, I don't think there's any way on God's earth that what I was just going to let the players go on holiday now and sit on the beach for the next six weeks and just go through the motions in the games. <laughs> That's not his style whatsoever. Um, and no, I don't think that is going to happen. And I don't think the players are like that. I think this group of players are determined and they want to finish as high as they can. Like I said before, I don't know mathematically whether we can finish in the top four. It depends on other results. But even if we were to finish in the top six, five or six, that's a good season. That is a really good season that for us. And it's progress. We're going forward. Obviously, it's not a grand final. But no, if we could finish as high as we can, the supporters... You know, are going to settle for that. They, they really will, and um, I think you'll see an awful lot of pride on display in the next couple of weeks from this club. Like I said, we've got these three games in, in seven days, but they won't be putting the queue on the rack. The players will be going out to do their best in those three games. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So that's our chat about the uh, the Challenge Cup final, Paul. And we'll have a look at the bits of news in the uh, in the World of Rugby League. Breaking news overnight, uh, Joey Lussick has signed for Parramatta Eels for the 2021 season. It's been a great uh, two and a half years for Joey at Salford uh, and uh, we're going to miss him terribly. Yeah, he's been a good signing for us. He came at the back end of 2018, didn't he, for the... For the um the middle eights it was then wasn't it and uh, he's had two good seasons two really good seasons you know with, with cup finals and what have you as well so um, yeah we're going to miss him I think he's really grown as a player since he's come to Salford and he's earned himself a contract in the NRL you know he's an Australian player and you know he, he must be difficult for Australians coming to the other side of the world and when they get that opportunity to go back you can't really begrudge him for taking it so uh, yeah good luck to him I think, I think we'll miss him but I think we've got players at Salford now who, who can fill in the gap for him yeah, and also shows, obviously, when you're at Salford, you have that opportunity to go and get that big contract in the NRL, uh, and it might put people off moving to a supposedly bigger club for that opportunity to come around. Yeah, and I've heard a lot about of that in the press recently about bigger clubs and things like that. I don't buy into it. I think Salford now we, we've got the uh, we've got the opportunity now. We, we've we've got to two finals. We've we've done well in the league last season. Been a bit sketchy in the league this season, but. I think coming to Salford, you've got chances of winning things and and that's what players want to do. They they want to show ambition. We've got a very ambitious coach, ambitious squad, really ambitious set-up at Salford now. So I I don't think that puts players off, you know, this this bigger club scenario. I think that's just... It's a bit like a sort of a a playground mentality that some clubs have, so I don't really worry too much about that. Joey's got that opportunity to go back to Australia, and it's not like he's left us and gone and signed for another club in the Super League. He's he's gone back over to Australia, the country he's from. He's probably got all his family over there, so you can't begrudge him that. And Parramatta Eels are a a famous old club in the NRL, and uh, I'm sure it'll go well for them. Yeah, and after two and a half years of hard work, dedication, speech speech therapist for myself to try to get his name... 
Well, we might have to sign his brother, and he's got a, bro- a couple of brothers, and he? we might have to sign one of them now, and then it'd be all worthwhile. But no, I'm pretty sure uh, Watto will be signing players for next season who uh, who've got long, uh, long fancy names that we'll have to uh, that we'll have to learn. But just on the back of Joey going, I mean, I'm disappointed he's left because he's a good player. But we've got um, we've got a cracking hooker there in Andy Ackers, uh, who I'm sure is going to do really well for us, you know, this season and next season. We've got young Connor Aspie coming through. We've got Chris Atkin who can play number nine, and I'm sure Watto will have irons in the fire of other guys that you might be looking at for next season so I'm not too disheartened and, and just wish Joey all the best you know players move on and, and that's just the way it goes sometimes but uh, but yeah there's no doubt he's been uh, been a real treasure for Salford you know, helping us to, to a grand final and a challenge cup final and yeah he'll be missed but uh, the club moves on So uh, this week Paul um, there's talk whether the RFL and the Super League will make a decision on the Toronto Wolfpack um, they were sent away to have a have a think about the the business plan and and you know what they can bring to Super League, um, I, I pers- personally think where we are now that we we have to back the uh, the Toronto Wolfpack because we've invested, you know we've got new fans in in Toronto now and they're trying to build a club and I look back at Catalan Dragons. 10 years ago and it took them a few years to get right and you look at them now with whatever 10,000 French fans and you know a, a community spirit in in that in that club and and women's teams and junior sides and it takes time and and I feel I'm hoping that the Super League and the Rugby League look at that and give the the Wolfpack an opportunity to to, to build that we talk about expanding the game Paul and I suppose if you were going from a, a blank canvas, I probably wouldn't go and wouldn't have wouldn't have put it in Toronto. But we are where we are, and if you want to expand the if the RFL and the Super League want to expand the game, they're going to have to feel the heat for a few years until Toronto get on the feet. That's just my opinion. What do you think? Um, I think they need to make a decision quick, Bob. Because, you know, we've only got a couple of weeks left of this season and then they're going to be drawing up the fixtures for next season. So, mm. logistically, how is it going to work with this, this virus and things with the travel for next season? Are we going to be allowed to travel to Canada? Are teams going to be allowed to go there and play a game? Or then we'll have to go in quarantine when they come back? I think it's all this government stuff that they're going to have to iron out first because you can't have a side going over there. Then when they come back, they can't do anything for two weeks because that's just going to cock logistically all the fixtures up. So... Uh, if they can get all that right, and if there was no coronavirus and all this carry on, then then yeah, I'd say we we want them in really. Um, but it's a difficult one with, with the way things are going. So, like I said, the RFL are going to have to make a decision. Super League are going to have to make a decision. Whoever it is, who sorts it out, I presume it's Super League and, and RFL. Um, so yeah, they need to sort it out soon because the fixtures are going to be coming out. I would have thought so. That's another thing I've been thinking about today. I've, I've seen stuff on the internet regarding the fixtures for next season, how many games we're going to play, when we're going to start the season. Um, somebody mentioned sort of March, April time, but for me, I think Easter time might be a good time to start the season next year. You know, if we could have a double header over a Good Friday, Easter Monday, that might be uh, something to get. The, I don't know whether supporters will be allowed to go again then, but it might be. Uh, I think Easter sort of April time. Mm-hmm. So if we can start the season a bit later, and probably. If I was running the sport, I think I'd knock the loop fixtures on the head for next season and um, and start the season a bit later on. Yeah. So, so for me, in summary, put the Wolfpack in, give them a slice of the pie, but then we'll keep the our, pie, our slice of the pie that the RFL gave us that Toronto didn't have this year. 
which then cost the RFL whatever it'd be, one point eight million quid. That's that's what that's what that's what that's the burn they have to feel if they want to expand the game, in my opinion. But getting back to the point you made there about when the season should should start. Um, yeah, there's talk. Is it? I think you said March, didn't you? But I didn't know whether that was because I think they talk about letting fans in, aren't they? Trying to get you know the trials back up and running, kind of round about that kind of time. But the kind the kind of worry for me that if it's March, they aren't going to say right straight onto rugby league and let a load of people in. It's going to take time in it. So if they start in March, it might be more like April, May maybe, because they have to see how it works and see if there's a reaction to it. So it will be interesting to see what, what Boris decides, but with everything going on at the moment, I don't think fans going into into a stadium is, is on the top of his list. No, no, it's it's going to be a, a tricky one. It's, it's how my real fear is for the, the championship clubs mm. and the lower league clubs, how they're going to survive without, without attendances and without crowds. So, just hope something happens and and we can sort something out. I know it's difficult. I'm not one of these people who watches a lot of the news and, and stuff like that. I just sort of get on with my life and, and do as I'm told. But um, you will have to just just watch this space on that one. But yeah, I, if, I'm not sure when Easter is. If Easter's sort of April time, even if supporters can't go at Easter, it might be a, sort of a good time to, to start the season because people tend to get a bit of work time off work. There's bank holidays and things like that. So even if you just watch it on the television, it might be a bit of a carnival time to start the season. Just just, just a little idea. So. I think the, the thing as well, they've got the, the Rugby League World Cup, haven't they, at the end of the year. So you can't move that. So you might be looking at a, a shortened season, but then does that work against the, the likes of Toronto Wolfpack? Because if there's only 11 teams, you don't have to play as many games, do you? Yeah, well, it, will the Rugby League World Cup be on? Well, you don't. No, do it. No. I suppose it's one of them things. It, you don't really know. You can't really predict the future at the moment, can you? So you'd like. I, I mean, I hope so. I really hope so because there's an awful lot of time and effort got in, gone into the rugby league world cup, and it'd be a massive shame if it didn't go ahead. So fingers crossed, they get on top of this this virus and and we start making progress. You know, in the next few months and everything's unky dory. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think the the RFL might be feeling the burn a bit already. Because, like you say, they were going to play the Australians, and that went that went down the tube. Then, obviously, the Challenge Cup final, no fans there, so there's no juice being made there. Grand final's gone for a Burton as well. Can't get any fans in there. Can't even get Old Trafford now. So they're scratching about now, looking for a venue. So I, c- I can see it hemorrhaging. They're not making money, are they? So it's a it's a massive problem for him. Um, so I think the World Cup down the line is like the is their big hope that they'll be able to recoup some of the losses that they've they've experienced during this corona crisis but talking about the grand final and old Trafford not being available where where would you want to where do you think the grand final should be played paul do you know where i'd have it i was telling my dad about this today we were having a bit of a chat today putting the rugby league world to rights we were saying well if it's wigan and if it's the two sort of lancashire sides wigan and st Helens or wigan and warrington or saints and warrington I think you'd have it. We well, could have it if it's Wigan and Warrington. You can have it at St Helens. If it's Warrington, it's going to be hard this now, isn't it? If it's Warrington and St Helens. You could have it at Wigan. You could have it at AJ Bell if we're not anywhere near the, the top <laughs> four. Um, I think if it's a Yorkshire side and a Lancashire side, you could have it at Huddersfield's ground. There's, there's all sorts of grounds there you could have it. You don't have to have it at a football stadium, do you? So if you're not going to have it at Old Trafford, there's going to be no crowds there. 
I don't think it really makes any difference where it is. I mean, if you put it, who's going to be in the grand final? Who's top top two at the moment? Wigan and Saints. So there's a fair chance it could be those two. You could play that at Warrington's ground, couldn't you? You could. No, in the RFL, though, no, in the RFL, they'll probably take it to Hull and play it in Blooming Hull or something. But <laughs> it'd be easier, easier for those two sides to play it at, at, at uh, somewhere close by. It's a shame it's not Old Trafford, but is there any point in having it at Old Trafford when there's no supporters there? Would you would you consider playing it abroad? There is ideas being bounced about playing it in France, playing it in Australia to get a crowd in. Is is that feasible? Do you think? But but can we say let's just I'm, I'm using examples here. I'm just going to use Wigan and Saints as an example, not because I'm favouring those two sides, but because they're the top two at the moment in the league. Uh, say it's those two that get to the grand final. What is the point in having that game in France? Because the supporters won't be able to go anyway, will they? Wigan and Saints fans won't be able to travel over to France because you're not allowed, are you? Or mm. if you do, you've got to stay in. See, this is this is how far behind I am. I don't know what you have to do. So if they if they go there, don't they have to stay in quarantine when they come back? Or, yeah. Or what? So would it be feasible? I don't, I don't really know whether it's the right thing to do. That you'd have to ask the clubs, wouldn't you? Really? Perhaps you should ask the clubs and see what they want to do. Yeah. Well, then let's think about it. Let's say they did play in in Toulouse, let's say for example, and you let five thousand France uh, Frenchmen in, right? That generates five thousand thirty quids. You know, goes into the RFL coppers. Sort of offsets a few losses that they might have might have received might have uh, experienced over the last few months. Plus, you've got the Toronto thing as well. You know, it, it, I I think it's, it's a possibility. I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm think I'm sure in their head they're thinking if I can do it, why not? Because it's a an, an, it's a an opportunity in it. We talk about opportunity a lot, and it's an opportunity to put our marquee game into you know a, a different market. Same ways you could go and play it in Dubai, or you could go and play it in, um, you know, Tunisia or somewhere miles away. Um, they, we we do the sports on on Salford City Radio and uh, UFC fighters. They go into Dubai. They're going all over the show. Is is this an opportunity to take the grand final to a place like that and and say, come and watch a come and come watch rugby league. Come and invest in our sport. Mm. You know, it's becoming a bit Disneyland, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know whether it's the right. Is there not a lot of more money in UFC? Would it not cost a lot of money to take it to somewhere like Dubai? I don't really know because I'm not sort of that well up on on things like that. So I don't. I'm sure they'll make a decision, won't they? And, and we'll see. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the right thing to do. If you could recoup some money and play it in France, then obviously it's a no-brainer, isn't it? You do that and uh, try and get some money back. But it's just it's all this like, sort of isolating when they come back. Is it fair on the players that they've then got to isolate for ten days when they come back and this that and the other? I don't know. It's it's, it's been crazy twenty twenty, and it really is. Um, you know what what's happening every other day. Something seems to change, doesn't it? So yeah, we'll see what happens. We will. We will see what happens. Other news, uh, Paul. Um, the reserve team uh, fundraising has been going fantastically well. Uh, raised nineteen thousand one hundred pounds, Paul. Uh, what an effort! You know, lots of um, lots of things going on. Sponsor a try. You know, people selling stuff, memorabilia and stuff to to you know add to the fund. It's it's been a fantastic thing. 
Yeah, I wish I'd wrote everybody's name down who's involved in that because I've not got everybody's names. And if I don't mention you, I'm really sorry. But I know Shirley and Alan are doing the, the sponsor of try aren't they? You've got James Oskison selling everything. He's like <laughs> Del Boy on, on the on the various uh, things on, on on Facebook and you know the the the, the, thing, the various pages on there where they're doing these auctions and things like that. So everybody at the supporters trust and everybody who's involved with it and the reserve team fundraising. Uh, it's been fantastic, I think, this season. The, the work that they've put in, um, you know, it really is. It's great for our club that we've got people like that who are willing to sort of dedicate so much time in their busy lives to, to do these sort of things. So, yeah, it's been, it's been magical. And I, I bought some bits and pieces off Shul um, that I need to sort the money out for actually soon. But it's been great. It's been really good. And to raise that amount of money. In, in such a difficult time as well, the season's been difficult. You know, people are struggling for money and things like you know, you've been furloughed, you might have lost your job. So to raise that amount of money and, and be able to concentrate and put that much commitment into it, I think you know, hats off, fantastic achievement, and well done to all those people involved. Yeah, fantastic. Lift me hat up to all of you. It's it's a, you know a special club, this in it, and and you know people, you know, likes of James Oxen and, and Shirley and you know Graham and and everyone else involved in 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 the supporters trust and you know. We, we all care about the club. We all want it to, you know, be the best it can be. And, and us fans just do our little bit, you know, to help that happen. They certainly do. Yeah, they certainly do. We've got a lot of diamonds who watch over, haven't we? Real diamond people. And, you know, it's um, that's another thing why Saturday was such a shame because these, these supporters deserve it. They deserve it to go to Wembley. They deserve to see Salford lift the trophy. Not just go there and be runners up. They deserve to see Salford have the day in the sun and bring a trophy back to the city and, you know, celebrate it and have a massive party in the city. And I just hope to God that they get that in the next sort of year or two because the, the, the people who've got behind this club in the, in the time I've watched them, and the stuff that they've done in the sort of thirty years I've watched them, it's it makes you feel so proud to be be a part of it and just just do the tiny little little contribution that you make. You, you feel like you, you you're giving something back, and uh, that's how I look at it anyway. And you know, you, you just you just look at these people in, in awe sometimes. Just think, wow, I'm just happy to just do my little bit and, and be part of the Salford family. Talking about diamonds, Paul, it's our three hundredth episode. This one, and uh, I've been in touch with Rugby League Triprints and they've produced an absolutely brilliant framed picture of Greg Johnson's Million Pound, million pound Miracle try. Um, it's a thing of beauty, isn't it? Yeah, it's different. It's not Greg Johnson scoring the try, is it? Like no. a photograph, it's um, sort of the... What can we call it? The plot... Of him, it's like a doctor, don't it? The plot of him getting to the uh, getting to the line, you know, the the sequence of, of passes and, and and play before Greg Johnson went over. So yeah, it's um, it's an exciting sort of piece, and not that I like talking about the million pound. You know my feelings on a million pound. I don't really <laughs> like talking about it, but um, it just makes me uh, makes me sweat. But no, it's uh, it's cool. It looks really good. Yeah, they're on they're on Twitter. They're on Twitter at RL Triprints. Um, it's fifteen pound. Uh, framed, um, but we've got one to give away because uh, we're celebrating our 300 episode, Paul. So if you really want one, and um, obviously you're going to buy one, but if you don't manage to buy one and you, and you want to win one, uh, keep your eyes peeled on our social media over the next couple of days and we'll uh, we'll put out details on how you could win one. But 
I'm going to, I'm getting one. That's that's for definite. And um, it's going to be hung proudly on my wall in my house, in my bedroom, I think. I tell you, he deserves to win that, Rob. Mm. That lad, Rob, who's, who's listened to all the, uh, the podcast, <laughs> he, he, he deserves that. I mean, bloody hell, to listen to all them hundreds of podcasts, you know, listen to me waffling on for so many hundred times, you, you deserve one. So, uh, so yeah, that, I'll look forward to, uh, to that, Rob. Yeah, so that. get yourselves on Twitter, get ordering them, and uh, yeah, have that moment uh, on your wall at home. So that's all the the big news um, of the week, Paul. And now what we'll do, we'll look forward to the Wigan game on uh, Friday. It's time on the double of the So, Solve Red Devils take on Wigan Warriors after the uh, the Challenge Cup final, uh, Paul. I think it's important that there's no cup hangover because Wigan are a very, very good team and we need to make sure that we're switched on going into this game. Yeah, Wigan aren't going to show us any sympathy whatsoever. Are they going to want to want to beat us? Um, we beat them the last two times we played them in the semi final last year, and, and that great comeback in the league this year, just before the uh, the season sort of uh, took that break with, with the virus and what have you. So they'll they'll want to knock us off, won't they? Um, and it's going to be a really tough game. As I said, Wigan have been pretty good since the, the season resumed in August. I think they've lost two matches. Uh, they beat against Hull KR pretty comfortably and they lost to St. Helens and they built up to the uh, the Challenge Cup semis. But other than that, they've been a model of consistency, really. And uh, the second in the table, just on the coattails of St. Helens. So they're going to be a very, very tough side to beat. It's going to be a, be a big night this on Friday night. Yeah, first game uh, of, um, I thought of a three-game week, I think, Paul. And I think it's a test, not of just of the players, it's 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 whole squad. It's, it's Ian Watson because backing up three games on the spin after that, uh, the emotion and and the physical onslaught at Wembley will be a massive test, and it'll it'll show us where we are. I think obviously Wembley, you know, will did sorry, you know, give us an idea of where we are and what this team's all about. But I think the reaction to it will tell us more too. Yeah, I think there were some shattered bodies on there on Saturday after that game, and shattered physically and shattered emotionally as well. You know, some of the emotions of the players, particularly the players who were at sort of the back end of their careers, it's a shattering defeat, that isn't it? Um, so it's about how you react from that. Now, I think some players personally just want to get back out there and play. Uh, I'm not sure about other players, but I'm pretty sure all the players want to get back out and start playing again. I mean, you would do, wouldn't you, if that was you and you just lost you? I mean, the first thing you want to do is go back out on the pitch and, and put things right. So I'm sure they'll be looking forward to it. We're going to have to... Watto's going to have to manage the squad this weekend um, with us playing St. Helens on Monday. I mean, they've looked pretty good when I've seen them recently. I mean, they get everything off the referee. I've noticed that. Not that I'm not that more about referees. I've, I've seen a couple of St. Helens game, games recently. Blimey, they, uh, they get every decision by the town hall clock. But no. it's going to be... It's, well, they, they do. But they're a good side, Rob. That's joking apart. They're a, they're a good side. And um, they're going to take some stopping, aren't they, for, the, for that grand final. So that's going to be tough, you know, backing up Friday, Monday against those two excellent sides. And then the following Friday, you've got Warrington, who are also going to be on the march, aren't they? You know, we're not to mark the cup. They'll be looking for revenge, won't they? So uh, three tough games in, in three clubs they've probably got a lot more riches than we have they've got big squads you know uh, plenty to choose from so our little 
or littler squad is going to um, is going to be tested, and, and what was going to have to manage his resources, going to have to manage how how the players recover because they're playing Friday. You probably find they won't train again then until till maybe Sunday, um, or even they might not even train at all. It might be all recovery, you know, waiting to go to that game on Monday. So it's going to be difficult, and that's one thing we didn't mention either. And I forgot to mention it when we were talking about the Challenge Cup. It's not an excuse, but you just think about what what I had to put up with and the players in that build up to the. Uh, the cup final with the, the, the lads testing positive they could hardly train going into that final so uh, they've had it really tough I mean we, we've said that over the last few years about Watto he never moans about anything and he has so much adversity to put up with it's always always tough for him and uh, you know he, sometimes it's like he's got one hand behind, tied down his back the way he has to work and uh, you know hats off that's, that's his character he just gets on with it yeah I'm not a big referee basher I have been Previously, in a previous life, you were. I saw, I saw someone on Twitter. The, long, the longer, sort of, the more I've grown up, and the, the more I've thought about it, it's more about being clever as a player to be able to buy penalties um, and taking advantage of certain situations. And sometimes, if you're not sort of switched on, you deserve to get penalised. And 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 that's what top teams do. They're able to read a situation and and make it to their advantage. So, yeah. Top teams do get penalties, but I think it's more about they know how to buy one when they need one. I think the top teams as well are quicker, aren't they? Mm. They're normally quicker between the years and quicker physically. I know St. Helens seem to get a lot of those six to goals, but they're fast, aren't they? Fast around the ruck and uh, difficult to beat. But we're going to be difficult to beat for us on, on Friday, like I said before. They're, they're going to be smarting from those two defeats against us. You've got Jackson Ace in there who want to, want to prove a point, won't we? We, we? we beat them last time, so... Jake Bibby in the, in the side as well and a lot, a lot of other good players in that Wigan team so it's going to be a tough test Yeah, quick between <laughs> years like Tyrone McCarthy in the semi-final where he drops on the ball and then gets a penalty from the Warrington from, I think it was Ratchford I think from trying to drag him out you know quick between the years sometimes wins your matches um, talking about yeah we, we obviously we talked about whether we, we could make the four I think it's just about finishing as high as we can go I think that's the the important thing, uh, and it'll show the mentality of, of the players, you know, whether they're still hungry uh, to to do that after the final. I think the, the aim of the game, Rob, is to keep winning matches and let the league table look after itself. Um, you know, you can't really look at percentages and things like that. You've just got to take each game as it comes and just keep winning the games because the games are coming thick and fast now, aren't they? So you can't look beyond Wigan and start thinking, oh, what about St. Anne's on Monday? What about Wellington next Friday? He's got to concentrate on the task in hand and the, the league table look after itself. Give us your score prediction uh, for the game, Paul. Yeah, I'm going to go. I think this is our away game, isn't it? This, so I think, is it? We can play Wigan at home. Yeah, we we just pulled a lot down. Oh, ah, yes, yeah, so it's our away game. So I'm going to go Wigan 12, Salford 14. Wigan 12, Salford 14. Is there, um, is there a story behind that? Um, no, I'm just thinking it might rain a lot and there won't be a lot of points. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm, I'm going for a Salford win after our Challenge Cup heroics. Um, I think we're going we're to start better, but we'll do what we do and kind of grind our way back into it like a, a boxer with a granite chin. End up knocking Wigan out in the end. So I'm going to go... Wigan 16, Salford 30. 
So we're going to be like a Cal Frock sort of performance, granite mm. chin, and then uh, back up and get the knockout win. Yeah, and um, Chris Wellham to score the winner. We'll just like to make it 30 to, to put the, the cherry on the cake. Cherry on the cake? Is that um, Was that a, a planned, uh, planned move? That was just playing the cherry and whites? Yeah, clever. No, <laughs> no it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the end of this uh, this uh, week's podcast, our three hundred three hundredth episode. Paul, big thanks for everyone who, who tunes in. I've said it before on the on this podcast; it means so much uh, more than anyone uh, can uh, believe. Really, uh, been a great show. Really enjoyed this one, Paul. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Looking forward to Friday, and we're going to have to uh, get our skates on over the weekend. We'll have to do a quick podcast before the Monday game, won't we? Yeah, yeah, double time. That's what it's going to be. Yep. <laughs> yeah so big thanks for, for tuning in to this week's podcast Abbey Parks you can find us on Facebook Devil in the Detail SRD you can find us on Twitter at DITD SRD and you can find us on SoundCloud iTunes Radio Contact and Spotify big thanks for tuning in and we'll see you we'll see you Saturday or Sunday <laughs>